0: Something's it's wrong. interesting it's what happens when little piece you have of something.
1: Yo. Hello. How are you doing, Robin? Good. How are you? Good. So I'm trying to figure out the light here.
0: What what happened what to the other one? Where's she gone? <laughs> it's a new hairstyle from the from the last time I saw you.
1: Yes, uh, I decided to switch it up. Well, I can't see anyone, and apparently it's gone quite well.
0: Yeah. It's a pleasure to see you. It's been, it's been, what's it called? I'm not seeing you properly it's since you are my heckler's gig, and it's very good to see you again.
1: Oh, thank you. It's good to see you too. I'm trying to get onto my laptop because it's better. So but this is fine, whatever. Yeah. So, what do you want to know from me?
0: So from maybe the one or two people listening to this, um, this is um, Robin Dunlop. She's a comedian friend of mine. She came from South Africa, and she visited the UK. She came to my gig, and she's she's she basically she's done a whole world tour across the globe, especially America.
1: Not very east.
0: That's yeah, something babe. I feel
1: bad. I've been to the world except the east. Fuck the east.
0: <laughs> Race, I'm you Racist. Racist. No. I'm it's but uh, so I mean it is interesting what you did. What describe sort of what, what, what was the trip and like how that came about and what made you decide to do a transatlantic tour as it what?
1: So I absolutely love New York City. It's like my it's home. I don't know if you've ever gone to a new place but and then just felt like, oh, this is where I should have been the whole time. Have you ever
0: had that feeling? Yes, I don't really like the UK, so I would much rather not be here if I had the choice. <laughs> uh, no, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest. My favorite, so I think, yeah, for now and within a year or two, I want to spend a bit of time in France because I'm do, I did the mm. crown course, and I want to go.
1: Yeah,
0: I want to get fluent in French, um, and oh, I think, but I think definitely, I want to spend a lot more time in America. I feel that there's mm. a lot of comedians, well, especially from the UK. Most most of us just stay in 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 the UK. many of us travel abroad. And I went went on a trip similar to what you did uh, like in 2017. I did a three month tour of America. And oh, cool! It, no, it's a lot of fun. I'll, it's I think yeah. it's good to be away from your home nation, like.
1: Yeah, you yeah. learn so much more. I mean, we can get so bogged down in what's going on immediately around us, that we forget there's a whole world, and there's, especially in comedy, you get stuck in your little clique, and the people around you are the ones that matter the most, and then you go on a plane to the other side of the world, and there, there's hundreds of comedians who don't give a shit who intimidates you in Africa, and they don't care. They're like, get on the stage and be funny, or don't.
0: It's, yeah, I think and that's
1: yeah, the really fun part about it.
0: That's the thing as well. And also, because I've probably made yeah, it's, it's, it, I think the biggest, I don't know what it is, but I think anything in show business or anything to do with entertainment, a big part of it is basically your people skills and being aware of yeah. like networking. And you have to be very aware of those sort of things. Otherwise, mm. you are. Oh, yeah. It, it's, but you've it,
1: also got to be good at the craft so you can be the nicest person and be so unfunny and then nobody cares about putting you on a stage.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I think it seems to be yeah, what yeah. I've seen recently. It's, well, in the UK anyway, uh, what I've seen. And also in some cases in America, but I will not say their names, yeah. but I've seen a few. <laughs> and it's a bit sort of, yeah, it's just because your charm or this and that and your are knowing... Yeah, it, it wasn't, it's not because of their necessary skill for being funny. It's just...
1: Mm. But there's, it's also subjective. So maybe we don't think they're funny, but the crowd laughs and they're a nice dude. So you put them on uh, and they probably run on shows. So you put them on because you want stage time on their shows. They don't have to be hilarious.
0: Yeah, that, that is, no, no, no. I think the bit I'm getting at is that I, no, I'm, I'm very robotic and I'm a bit on, on emotional on a lot of things. So I just go and go on what I th- what I see the other see the the actual laughs they get. I'm not yeah. really fussed about the other things, but it's I just it's, um, yeah, it's it's a big part of that. I, that's the, the the only thing I don't like about comedy is the the other stuff that goes around it. I wish like comedians would just focus more oh. on the craft rather than all this funny business that goes yeah. along.
1: But unfortunately, like you said, in all forms of entertainment, there's always that level of, you know, you can be so good, but be a complete asshole or you can be not great, but you're good with connecting or like I've had it where I've started a show and gone, okay, who do I want to put on this lineup? I don't care if you're the funniest dude, if you're a prick, I'm putting up my friends who have supported me in this, you know, because then I know it's going to be a fun show where we're all supporting each other
0: yeah uh, f- to be honest that's a mistake yeah that's a mistake i used to make before uh, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta surround yourself with the right sort of people people that you like and you've got a good relationship mm-hmm. then that yeah you have to be you have to be quite quite with that because like mm-hmm. otherwise it's just going to get get you into trouble and all this other mm-hmm. funny things are going to happen mm-hmm. you have to and
1: it also gets to your i mean i have a big thing about self-esteem and trusting my own you know my own sort of stage presence in that. And when you're around people who make you feel shitty all the time, you're not performing to your best ability because you're worried
0: about feeling
1: shitty rather than if you're around people who are like, Oh my word, you're amazing. You go on the stage and then you're amazing because you have that support of that. We're in a say in a happy or environment. That's not toxic. To yes
0: yes that's, that's the thing that is something that i've i mean i've been in comedy a while but the thing the biggest issue the one thing i have developed in it is a persona but apart from let me let's go through the point not waffling um yeah you have to decide what you let and this is in life in general you have to decide what you let into it and what you surround yeah. yourself with in comedy anything because yeah. it's just going to have a bad effect on you in yeah Every exactly. way you can think relationships,
1: of. Relationships in work situation, yeah, you're right, exactly.
0: Even if it does do you a bit of damage, or if it does this and that, in the short run it may cause you some trouble and a bit of damage, but in the long run it will help you a lot. Because yeah. then, then if you have people that like you, you got a good relationship with, and they've got your back, and this and that, if there's all yeah. s- they can say no, this person's not like that. And then it's it's
1: And what's interesting is that, I don't know about what you found, but we all sort of have this dream of, I want to be on Netflix, or I want to be on these big shows, I want to tour the country or whatever. And we look at our heroes and we go, how do we get in the rooms where they are? But they didn't get in the rooms of their heroes. They had their friends around them, that they all work together. And now they're all traveling around together. And that's all creating shows together or whatever, you know, and that's. I think something we also lose a bit of sight on is, yeah, do the thing, and you'll get there. Not try and get to the end point because then there's always going to be that misstep.
0: I've I've recently been reading a book. I mean, I, I and I, I actually just started yesterday, and one okay. of the points is that though it's good to be critical and of even if it's your friend or this and that. In the long run, it, it can give you a bit of issues because people don't like criticism. It's quite a damaging mm. thing. And um, like Abraham Lincoln, the president, he, he um, criticised his opponents before in like political campaign. And one of them said, I want to go and get in a fight to you and a death. And he accepted it. Mm. But I can't remember what. But yeah, it didn't go ahead. But then Abraham Lincoln thought to himself, right, for what, Whatever it is now, I won't be critical because it's just, and there's also a scientific study that says, in this is a book that I read, this is the book I'm reading, and I can tell you about it later. It's you heard of Dale Carnegie,
1: yeah, yeah, I actually have that as well. Uh, ah.
0: in the digital
1: age, yeah, yeah, hold on. Oh, okay, <laughs> Dale Carnegie.
0: In the digital. <laughs> it, it, it's, I should uh, probably
1: read it. Actually, come to think of it. <laughs>
0: read the title.
1: <laughs> How to make win friends. Oh, that's shiny. That's shinier than I expected.
0: But it's yeah. It and it says that um, people learn better if they get rewarded for good performances rather than punished for punished for wrongdoing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's the the theory behind how they train dogs, is do you treat every time they're good or do you smack the nose every time they're bad? And a combination actually kind of works quite well.
0: Uh, And also, one thing that I've read also is that he says that people are very, they need to feel important. That's when I needed this book. Like people going to gangs and all these different things or like people being... If they, they need to feel important in some ways that, that's what drives a lot of people
1: mm. yeah. that's very interesting the the importance the um oh there's another word for it what is it my words have been failing me it's the uh, i don't know you want to feel important there you go you noted it i was just exaggerating what you said <laughs> Uh, what are you drinking? Because you're taking, like, little shots of something.
0: Uh, hot water.
1: You're drinking hot water?
0: Yeah. Okay. it in a kettle and then I shoved it in this.
1: Uh,
0: oh. I, I have an issue. I, sometimes, and this is probably what I'm going to do when things get back to normal, I'm going to bring a flask of coffee with me. Because sometimes I get really tired and I fall asleep at gigs. I've done that when other... when. To my fault, I've done that a few times and other performers have been on because I remember I did it in New York. I, I went to the creek in the cave and then I fell asleep and I woke up near the end of the gig at around 2 a.m.
1: Oh, oh, no.
0: And no one woke me up. They just let me sleep.
1: Oh, because The thing is, like, that's something about New York and I was trying to get into that. I guess I wasn't in London long enough, but New York, so how it happened is I started as an all pair, right, in New York. And then I started comedy while I was there. So I did six months straight of comedy from when I started to as an au pair until I had to leave the country. Um, Thanks Trump, no I'm kidding. Uh, But then like they have this sort of this drive in New York like a comic will go to five open mics in a day. And it's insane. So I understand that you fell asleep and they just left you because so many comics do that. And the creek in the cave stays open till like five AM. So I'm amazed you woke up at three.
0: <laughs> but it, yeah, it's it's just. So one thing I criticize of everywhere I've been to in terms of comedy, every comedian does references just for their own area, and it, I I don't know the there's some the, I feel with a lot of comedians they feel that their their area is the center of the world,
1: but. I found, so I said this to somebody else the other day and they were like, I never thought about that. When I travel someone new, so I've been to all sorts of places, uh, and like London and Oxford and New York and Tennessee and New Orleans and Los Angeles and other places. But the best way to find out about that area is to go to a comedy show because comedians are very honest about what's happening in okay. their town. And then you can learn about the place and meet people and then so it's like yeah you're critical of it but it's actually a good way to learn about that place and also if a comic goes somewhere else they change the reference to where they are because they also go to a comedy show and hear what the other comics are saying and then they kind of adjust and if they don't then they're not going to make it
0: hmm. well so can I, can I ask you a question what since you've been back in south africa have you done any south african comedy geeks?
1: Yes, I have. Uh, and then the world shut down. But yes, I did. I had two cool weeks. We have like two comedy clubs in Johannesburg, where I live. And I did a week at the one and then a week at the other. And then the world ended.
0: One thing I want to ask you about is how does so South Africa, I'm, there's a comedian called Simon Kane, who's gotten a lot of trouble. He's a, he runs a podcast called Ask the Industry. And he interviewed Eddie Kizar.
1: Who's the
0: Sam? Eddie Kazar. He runs uh, a comedy festival in Cape Town. He runs the Cape Town Comedy Festival.
1: Eddie Kazar. I don't know that name.
0: Okay. But and there's
1: like 20 people in the comedy industry here. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's... it's Because I, I I'm interested to find out. Because I know there was a comedian called Long John. Who did my... Yeah doesn't sound right at all Long John it sounds something wrong doesn't it Long John it sounds like, that's something
1: that's very British of you to point that out actually but Long John <laughs> giggle yeah he's it, just tall he's
0: <laughs> he's from Zimbabwe right and like yeah. there's an industry there and then how does because I mean I've not heard much about sort of combi scenes in terms of Africa like how does it all work over here mm-hmm. with South, the South African scene and
1: that? Oh, so it's, I mean, it's much smaller. Um, so like you kind of just, so I didn't even know comedy existed in South Africa until after I left varsity, then I was sort of more out and about and whatever. Um, but yeah, it's like a, it's a very small industry and it's where you kind of have to keep showing up until you get on stage. Um, And you get to know everyone. You kind of work your way up. And that's why I say you have to be, you like you figure out how to be funny because you go to the open mic. There's like pretty much one a night. So you can't really do much more than one a night. And if you're not very good or you haven't been around long enough, you can probably crack three a week, maybe if you're lucky. Um. So yeah, it's, you kind of have to, and then... You'll be, sorry, my brain just like went, what am I talking about? Um. So you go to all these open mics and then you're there at the one open mic in the city and then the biggest comic in the country walks in because it's the only stage. Ah. So hugely intimidating and you kind of, you have to just kind of go, I'm dying uh, in front of my hero constantly and that's just how it is.
0: It's... One thing I find interesting though, despite, so in New York you can gig a lot, in London you can gig a fair amount, but it really doesn't, because I've been to so many scenes across the world, and it, like, gig number doesn't, doesn't really at all sort of account for how funny someone is.
1: Two seconds.
0: Hello. So everyone, she has ordered a pizza. She's ordered Domino's pizza.
1: No, I just have to close my door because, yeah, my parents are shouting at each other because they're deaf. (laughs) Uh, um, Yes, so, no, you are right. Gig number does not equate hilarity because not everyone's funny. Uh,
0: You know, that's something...
1: You can be hysterical and get on stage five times and you're funny and people know you just need to figure it out. And you can be really shit and do 100 gigs and you probably will figure out a joke eventually. But you really, I don't understand people who aren't funny who do it. Because it's really, really horrible when it's going badly. And now you're being, it's going badly over and over and over and over and over again, but we're trying. <laughs>
0: it's just the way it is isn't it but it's it's one thing i find funny though i find that america is completely based on there's not much of a cabaret circuit well from what i know i think there is a cabaret circuit but it's not advertised as much as the regular mainstream regular sort of stand-up
1: what do you mean by cabaret
0: so sort of you know zach zucker or Sacha baron cohen I sort of comedians you, that aren't yeah. necessarily sort of punchline jokes, sort of more, sort of different, quirky. Yeah. You get a lot of that more so in the UK than you do so in in America.
1: Like a Noel Fielding vibe, well, not quite.
0: Uh, a little bit, yeah, a bit more, bit more zany than him.
1: Okay, I think I know what you mean. So yeah, so in America, they yeah, um, from what I remember, I mean they have quite a strong stand-up circuit and they have quite a strong improv circuit, and then the rest is sort of comedy theatre. Yeah, and then it, like the weird, quirky things, um, and a lot of the sort of quirkier acts do attempt a stand-up set in a typical club, and they don't do well because the audience mindset is in stand-up. So it's tough to do that, but it's a good way to get stage time
0: it's and and one thing I find also funny is a lot of American comics they use the stream of consciousness sort of based style of comedy and they' yeah, they're they're very awesome. it's very sort of rhythm like isn't it they like use haikus and it's ch ch, ch-, ch- and with ha- British, where where it's sort of rhyme rhymes it's like a little beat yeah.
1: No, I know what a haiku is. I'm just trying to think of comics who use that. Um, I just know that there's a rhythm. Like, I know when I came back from America, then there was a comic from Boston who was around in town. And he was like, your style is very American. You would do really well over there. And I found that very interesting that he picked up because there's a rhythm that Americans sort of do. And I guess when you learn there, That's why I'd like to spend more time in London, because that's a different rhythm or a different style.
0: A lot of them copy American comedians, though. A lot
1: now, yes, for sure.
0: But there's a lot more comedians who are just punched. They'll make a joke. I don't know, like Jimmy Kai goes, "Um, my mum's Irish. Let me explain why I look like my mum's Irish and my dad is Roger Federer. And then... That's used a lot, and then they'll use another punchline on top of that, and then they'll I
1: mean, like his dad's Irish, his mom's Roger Federer.
0: Yeah, and then they'll use like a rule of three. You know how that is? They yeah, and then boom. Or they'll they'll sometimes they'll reference something at the end, like Andy's story. He's got this joke where he goes, "I was in Leicester Square, and like some kid was doing this, so I didn't want to seem like an adult." They didn't want to join in. So I did this and that. And then the kid stopped and he said, look, mommy, what's that man doing? And then what he does after that, he says, oh, I was looking for places to rent in um, Chelsea or something. And then the Mm -hmm. estate agent goes, didn't I see you in Cumberland Garden? And then boom.
1: I see what you mean. Yeah, but that's all different sort of styles of writing, different. I mean, there's so much theory about jokes and how they work and you can write i mean i met this guy there's this guy on the south african circuit i mean i've met so many of them as well who sit and they can write the perfect joke and they can play with words and they can do different cells so they can do like a story or they can do a callback or they can do whatever in writing great but cannot perform it for shit mm. because they're so pedantic about the writing they're not telling the audience what they're trying to say
0: yeah it's
1: yeah. they say that co- being a comedian is the hardest job because you're writer director and performer all at once um, and most other art forms don't have that
0: i'm not i think with stand up it is definitely more so a writing platform than it is perhaps uh, anything else because I've seen a lot of stand-ups, if you put them in a situation that isn't sort of ideal, a lot of them don't have the personality or the, not, not all of them, but some of them are forces of nature, but most can't deal with a situation where it's not a stage or there's a mic there. Like, mm. I remember I put us, you've been to the gig before in Hammersmith, but we did a gig uh, downstairs uh, at the end of the year and none of the comedians really could do anything when it was outside their comfort zone they couldn't sort Mm. of play with the audience or do some silly things to make them laugh without that Mm. setting a lot of them are lost
1: yeah but that's also the interesting thing that's also why i say get on stage as much as you can because there are so many weird gigs and you figure it out i mean the amount of time so we have this thing called load shedding where our sort of our power supplier isn't very reliable so the power will just go off once a day for three hours now you're running gigs every day and the power goes out you learn how to make to project and figure out how to connect with that audience without the microphone and it's like it's a resilience building thing you go to a gig and there's no stage and people are eating and you figure it out and if you can't figure it out then try something else yeah yeah it's, and it's, it's nice. And it's nice to say, like, I did this store. or Like, people who do an open mic at like the Improv in LA, and then they go, "Oh, I can't perform here because I perform." Like, you figure you perform everywhere because one day you're gonna get like if you listen to some of the bigger comics, and they get like these corporates on like yachts, and they have if you can't be resilient in your youth, how are you going to figure it out once you like, like Jim Jeffries has this thing, has this bit in freedom where he goes, he gets invited by um, Mariah Carey to her husband's birthday party. And nobody could give two shits that this is Jim Jeffries and that he's telling jokes. Nobody cares who he is. Nobody thinks he's funny. He said one joke the guy liked like five years before. So he's standing there telling his set in a garden to like celebrities who really could not be bothered. And he, because he did that 10 years ago in shitty bars, he figured it out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, what's it called? I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny. And but it's it fun
1: that's the biggest thing for me anyway is it's fun when you go to a gig and you're like this is going to be terrible and then you do it anyway because it's so fun to figure it out and soul crushing if you can't but that's also part of it <laughs>
0: no, but it's just like you give i don't know about that statement you said because that's like you're accepting you're going to lose rather than thinking that you're going to no
1: i think If you don't figure it out, it's soul-crushing, yes. But I think if you go in with a, well, let's see what happens, then it's way better than, oh, this is going to be shit.
0: I remember... um, Because I remember doing the... What was interesting? I remember doing the New Year's Eve gig, and a couple of the comedians already looked like they gave up before they came on stage. They didn't want to enjoy themselves. They just... (laughs) And as soon as they were stuck, they just didn't know what to do. They just didn't do anything. Yeah, that's the
1: big thing.
0: One thing I did find funny about you was when I first saw you, you, I remember you saw one of the comedians and he does our show and you're like, what's going on here? Like, oh, clap, 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 you said something nice. Oh, clap, 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 you said something nice.
1: Oh, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) So it was this comic who was testing out his Edinburgh Fringe something, Uh, his Edinburgh Fringe, right. But that, yeah, so the thing that got me with his set was that he wasn't writing jokes to write because he found things funny. He was trying to have a message and pat himself on the back for having a message about yeah. feminism and gender, whatever. And he was like, I understand woman, pat me on the back. There was no joke, but he thought he was being funny, but he didn't write jokes. He was trying to get like a praise me for being a good white man. And the humor doesn't come from that.
0: Do you, do you get scared if someone says acts like that? Do you, do you get a bit dodgy when someone sort of pretends to be like a good or sort of white person too far like he did?
1: <laughs> um, no, in context, I don't know. Like, it, it's different, right? So you get people who try very hard to be on the side of the victim, I guess. Yes. And you can see it's inauthentic, but it's not dangerous. And then you can see people who are dangerous because they're just protecting their own bubble of privilege, and if that breaks, if that pops, they will be irrational in their reaction. Mm. Or you can kind of predict it, I don't know, I wouldn't stick around long enough to see if that's true.
0: What, um, you wouldn't stick around long enough to see that's true, So you're like, well, I'll to you five seconds, bye. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, you look a little bit unstable. Maybe we should end this conversation.
0: <laughs> it was, um, I don't know, I, I there's, there's a big thing on the English circuit where there's a lot of white middle-class men who who pretend to be feminists, but they're not. That's, that's yeah. the thing.
1: So that's a thing that's kind of happening everywhere because of cancel culture, because dudes are like, well, if I don't say the nice things, then I'm the bad guy. And it's like, no, actually, you don't have to say anything. You can just carry on and telling your jokes. I think you're so much more funny if you're in- authentically committed to a rape joke, than if you're saying inauthentically, I'm a nice dude. Like, I don't, I don't know how to fix that, what I said. But so I'm gonna plow through. But what I mean is, say what you're thinking, and make it funny rather than saying what you think they want to hear, and then it's not authentic. It's not funny, and it's a little bit uncomfortable.
0: It's, um, it's because did you did in the? I don't know if this is in so. Could you tell us a bit about your, there's, there's a few things going on in the UK circuit, which are quite strange. And I just wanna mm-hmm. ask you a question. So you, we asked, we covered it briefly about your trip to America, but I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting story. Tell us about more about mm-hmm. your trip to America, like what gigs you went to, how the people and just how it all worked and how long you were doing it mm-hmm. for.
1: Okay, so the trip I took this year, were well last year, was two months, basically I quit my job and decided to travel and pursue comedy full time. So I went to London for like 10 days, did as many gigs as I could there. Uh, then I was in Oxford for like a weekend and then flew out to New York for five five weeks in New York, which was so cool. Um, I mean, all of it was cool. <laughs> But yeah, so like I said, I started in New York and I did six months there. So my style sort of adapted to there. So I'm used to sort of the pace of it, the running to the next gig, the figuring it out, figuring out a new audience. And it's also December time. So there's lots of tourists. Um, So it was really cool. And I managed to get past that a new club, um, LOL in Times Square. So that was really exciting. Um, So yeah, a lot happened, really cool so many gigs from like the shitty bar where nobody wants to listen to you, to like a sold out comedy club room. Um, as I say, uh, concrete jungle where dreams are made of, you know, anything can happen. So very, very cool. And then I went out to Tennessee for a bit. Now, Tennessee, the town I was in Knoxville has a very small scene. So everyone, there's like five gigs in the week and all the same comics at all the gigs. So that was really cool meeting a couple people and seeing them, you know, like in London, I found London quite exhausting because I was new and I didn't know anyone, not one comedian. I didn't know a single person. Um, So every time I like Googled Facebook pages or something and wound up at a gig and it was, what was that first one I did? Sam Dunthorne. Mm. that yeah that one Um, and I met somebody there who said oh tomorrow I'm doing this one so then I went to that one and then I met someone there but it was like tiring because it's like every single time I walk into a room it's like I have to be that sunshiny person like hey I'm this girl from Africa and I'm funny put me on your stage and it's um, after a week of doing that and not seeing a single person you know, that's familiar, was quite tiring.
0: is so fun, York, though? It's, look, like it's, it's the
1: really it. fun part about it. Like, I love it, but I also like familiarity. I like, you, I mean, you can't go for six months and not see somebody you recognize. Because you have to sort of constantly put on a face. So when you're constantly meeting new people, you constantly have to put on that face, that facade of this is who I want you to see. Because if you're the honest, I'm exhausted and crying and sad person, they're going to be like, well, she's a bit weird and maybe we should not put her on the stage.
0: But why do you need to put on an act? I mean, you just, you are saying that you have to pretend to be something you're not all the time. That's what you basically said there.
1: Not pretending to be someone you're not, but putting on the, the part of you that you want the world to see. So if I walked, okay, if I walked into the gig, like you met me and I said, hey, and I met you and I said, I'm Robin and I'm from South Africa and I have jokes and I've been doing this and that and whatever, great. Put me on your stage, whatever. If I walked in and I was like, yeah, hi, I'm Robin. I'm fucking tired and I'm so done with life and I just want to go home and I'm cold because it's snowing and it doesn't snow in my country and I have to wear five jackets. You would be like, "Who is this person, and why does she even want to be here?"
0: No, I'll be like, oh, "You need a bit of space, and I'll leave you alone to sort yourself exactly. up and be nice." But exactly. I,
1: so if I walk in being the nice person, then I don't have to go through the whole have some space and figure it out.
0: But I mean, you could you could always you could always manage you could always find a way of making yourself happy or finding something that makes you happy before you go.
1: Yeah. Wine and tequila. Figured it
0: (laughs) out. That just sounds like why people take drugs. They can't get themselves sort of happy or or positive another way. So they become dependent on it.
1: I understand why people take drugs. Is what I'm saying. (laughs) I don't, but I understand why. (laughs) You sure? (laughs) No, I don't. Disclaimer, definitely do not do drugs. So, so maybe an aspirin every now and then.
0: So, so your trip to America was, and your trip of course, was just to visit different places, to network and do different gigs and just have some fun.
1: Yep. yep, pretty much. So I try to also get into the acting thing, but acting is very, it's a more formal sort of industry around the world. So you can't do an audition without having a social security number in America, basically. And I was like, it would be cool just to go through the process. You know, they can't hire me anyway. I don't have the legal whatever. But you can't even get an audition without a social security number and an agent. Mm. And like so many things. So then I was like, fine, we'll just play with the comedy. Because you can walk into a bar and take a microphone and nobody's going to kick you out of the country.
0: You can't get an audition without an agent.
1: Well, some of them are without agents, but all of them ask for social security number. So you have to have a visa. And to get a visa, you have to have an agent or a manager or something like that.
0: But can you get another sort of job as a dishwasher or something and then get a social security number and then do that?
1: You could, um, but that's also a long process. Yeah, so I've looked into it because I have a background in science and that's a scarce skill in the UK, in the US and whatever. Um, I think it'll be easier to get into the UK. So I'm kind of looking into that. Um, But yeah, like if you apply, if you have a job in America and they want you and you apply and, and do the process right, it still could take you two years to get in. And Ooh, I was yeah. like, I just want to go now. So I just bought a flight and went as a visitor.
0: Why does it does it require you to be to two years to go in there?
1: It's just the processing and the finding. So the biggest thing in America is they won't accept a visa or a they won't accept a foreign national to do a job if they can find an American that can do it. So they will spend that two years finding someone who can do the job rather than you. And if they can't, then they'll go, oh, I guess.
0: But, but can't you just go into America and find up and just get, you know, once you get Social Security, then start applying for jobs and all that? Caesar can just man.
1: arrive and get a Social Security number.
0: But couldn't you just... Why can't you just do a regular job or something? Why can't you just go in and just...
1: Because Americans can do regular jobs. There's definitely an American who can wash dishes. So why would they bring you?
0: Mm. But what's his face? Um, Surely there must be a way to get in there. Because what's it called? Cesar Milan. he came from the Mexican border. And he was like doing all these silly things. Do Do you know the dog whisperer? No. Oh, he, he's, he he came in as a Mexican immigrant. Um, he was d- making hot dogs and he was an illegal immigrant and then yeah. the bunch of ladies saw that he was able to look after dogs pretty well. Mm-hmm. Then they started looking after him, paying for a house. Not a house, but they paid for like accommodation stuff and they paid him lots okay. of money to look after the dogs. And he got famous through that and now, now he's a millionaire. And he's a Mexican yeah, so animal.
1: Obviously ways you can do it, but I personally don't want to be an illegal alien in a country because it's really risky. Yeah,
0: yeah, I suppose it is. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a complicated progress. I mean, um, and Trump's really sort of amp the anti-immigrant feel, isn't it? In a way. Yeah,
1: so that's also. That, I mean, I've heard of people who've been living in the U.S. for a while who get their visas rejected and stuff since the Trump administration. It's really tough to get in. Um but I guess if they want you bad enough. I don't know, like my I have a friend who writes for Rick and Morty and he's working on contracts with all sorts of writing studio all sorts of studios and stuff there. And his visa is still delayed. And it's like I have the biggest studios in Hollywood backing me and you're denying my visa. So it's
0: Oh, Rick and Morty is an amazing program. Love it.
1: Yeah, so it's not as easy as arrive, I'll be a waitress for a while and then get a social security number.
0: Not as easy as here. <laughs> oh, oh, I, can imagine I wouldn't even say here. that.
1: I mean, the UK also is not easy. I mean, have you seen how they want to kick out the rest of Europe? Like. <laughs>
0: Let's not go into a political bit, please. <laughs> I, no, I'm scared. I'm just,
1: I, yeah, it's easy to talk about America, but when we bring it home,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's yeah,
1: it's it's not easy to get into the UK either. As a me,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's um oh, it's interesting. Anyway, it's it's well one thing that's happened with the UK comedy scene, it's got a lot of people from America and Canada coming in. And it's got people and it's had a lot of people from Australia.
1: But yeah, so London and New York are probably the biggest comedy scenes in the world. So obviously there's going to be a lot of people coming in to check it out and leaving. Yeah. But it's a cool scene to try. It's really fun.
0: I don't think it's bigger than LA though. I wouldn't say...
1: No, definitely. So London, because England, like London is the pinnacle of England and England has its own humour altogether. Hmm. So I would say in terms of the Western world, I would say that London and New York are probably the biggest scenes.
0: Why would you say it's bigger than LA?
1: Because it's... Look, I think we underestimate how many people live in the UK just because they're physically smaller. I think that the the scene is just bigger in terms of a different vibe, where the the LA scene, I would say, is quite linked to the New York one where a lot of the comics go back and forth. So I don't know if you can sort of keep them as separate industries. I mean, yeah. And... And L.A. comics in general, as a generalization, are only sort of L.A. comics because they're trying to get into TV and sitcoms and stuff like that. Where New York is comedy because we want to be comedians, like to the sort of definition of it.
0: But it often goes that a lot of Americans, they build, they they go to Boston or they go to Chicago, they build their material there and they develop their act and then they go to, what's it called? New York or LA, they choose one or the other often. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I say they're
1: kind of, they're not separate entities because they're so intertwined.
0: Yeah, Yeah, there's quite a few that sort of overlap. What, Mm. um, but in LA, they've got a big sort of sketch thing there, and like improv's quite big over there.
1: Yeah, quite a lot of improv there. Um, I mean, I was only there for six days, so I'm not an expert on LA. Um, but yeah, they've got quite a lot of improv and a lot of write, like comedy writing. Hmm. I mean, you're performing writing, obviously. But...
0: It's a f- one thing I also find funny about American comedy shows is they always do the minimum drink spend, like well, the sell in the LA hmm. comedy. Two drink
1: minimum, and,
0: yeah. Yeah, and then you have to buy f- sometimes. And it has to be food or an extra drink, and it's quite. And you have a table, and you have someone sort of occasionally you, you have someone serving food in between the act, and that I find interesting. It's a bit, you know, it's a bit of a distraction if someone's asking you, sure. for, What would you like? and you're listening to a comedian. I find that a bit, they want to maximize the money, but I think it's a bit yeah. distracting to whoever's on stage. No?
1: Yeah, but again, that's part of the craft and the figuring it out. If you're going to get distracted by a waitress, you can't. How can you really focus on your jokes?
0: No, I meant for the audience. Oh, you
1: mean for the audience. Okay, that also makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. We have, so in our country, we have halves where they like have a interval in between. And then that's generally when people like get new drinks, go to the bathroom, whatever where I find that doesn't happen in America. They just kind of go through the whole bill. What's it like in the UK? It's also a bit like
0: we're going through.
1: So then how do you not get, I mean, surely waitresses are bringing drinks during comedy shows in London as well then?
0: No, 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 we have a break and then we go and get the drink or the food.
1: Oh, you do have a break. Okay, I heard you, I saw no and I was like, weird. Yeah. yeah. So our style is also kind of based more British or the more British vibe, I guess.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's one thing. Oh, what's, what's the thing that I want to say? Yeah, one thing I wanted is, so you're planning to move over to the UK?
1: Well, I'm planning a lot of things, but right now I'm stuck at home because there's this virus killing a bunch of people.
0: Oh really? I, I've never heard of it before. How do you spell it? Can you spell it for me please? Is it C-O-what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know that, that Mexican beer? It's like killing the world. It's so weird.
0: Ah, you used to like Corona. No, I don't. Mm. No.
1: It's... it's good with lemon. Apparently lemon helps. I don't know.
0: Does it? Oh, I hear that a whole- tough
1: because there's still the flirty and the dating and the whatever. And I mean, that's, I mean, f- I mean, New York especially is a very incestual sort of scene on the, I mean, especially on the lower grades, I would say, where everyone's kind of dating everyone and screwing everyone and bitching about everyone because that's just how, that's who you see all the time. So you get used to seeing people. So you start like growing feelings that probably shouldn't be there. Um, But it gets problematic when you assume that they like you. Yeah. And then touch your feet. And women still are a little bit, um, we're still quite easily dominated. So if you come on to me and you're a bit forceful, I don't really know how to say no. So I'm gonna be nice about it where really I wanna punch you in the face. Yeah. And then it's, you're going to go, she's a bitch because she punched me in the face and don't book her. And the dudes, because it's generally a dude club, the dudes will go, yeah, she's a bit of a violent bitch and we won't book her. Meanwhile, and she's then, just like, to harass me. You know?
0: And then what's it called? If, if, if she says, okay, you're like, book her, book her, she's nice. You're saying that that's...
1: Yeah, don't book girls because you want to bang them. Just don't do it book girls because they're
0: funny because they are I've, I've never done that i mean i'm not in a position to do that which is a good thing Never
1: well. booked girls. <laughs> rude i'm kidding
0: <laughs> I, I, no i've never booked a woman just because i want to want to do things with them i've never done that it's I, it's 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 well it's funny I, I i didn't know the extent to how much it was going on until there was a all these female comedians start coming out about this and that, like they really just let out the avalanche of all these things that have been going on in the UK circuit. And Mm. it's a bit funny.
1: It's worldwide, unfortunately. And it's, it's definitely worse when it's like a younger girl, a younger comic gets a big opportunity and there's an older guy who has an ego and he thinks he's the shit. And, you know, you feel like you can't say anything because he's the booker or he's more famous or whatever, and nobody will take your side in it. You know, I've been booked on many shows because I'm pretty and I've been not booked on many shows because the guy wants me to hang out at the show and wait. I don't, I don't know what he's waiting for, but I would ra- he would rather me be the pretty girl that's sitting there but won't give me stage time. What? And that's what happens.
0: What did he say? What He actually said that, listen here, he's sweetheart. Not
1: gonna he's not going to say it, obviously, but you know, when you're sitting there and he says, next, t- next time you come, I'll give you stage time. So you go next time. And then he goes, oh no, this newer guy who I have no idea who he is, he's going to go on the stage instead of you. But next time you come, you can go on. So you go next time. And then he's sitting there putting his arm around you. How are you doing? Do you want a drink? And then you've been sitting around for six weeks going, you're wasting my damn time.
0: A lot of, now what's happened in the UK circuit, there's a lot of comedians that claim to be feminists who are pretending to side a woman just to appear like they're the good guy. But it's... it's what I am
1: going to say is the guy who's shouting, I'm a feminist, the loudest, check his track record.
0: Yeah. They're, they're the ones you've got to be more worried about. Maybe they're trying to cover their tracks or something.
1: Yes, I, yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but one thing I want to ask you: what, what, um, what do you, what do you plan to do once this is all over? What's like the?
1: Uh, so many things. I don't really know what to do right now because, I mean, we don't know when this will be over. So, right now, I'm just kind of trying to work on getting more of a digital presence, doing something that matters online that people want to buy into because there's so much going on and there's so much free content out there how on earth do you make a living when you know so i'm trying to figure that one out because the last thing i want to do is go back to the lab (laughs) but i might have to um yeah i still want to travel and do stuff and i'm getting into acting so the so plan is find out where I can go where I will be successful in what I want to do.
0: That sounds ambiguous. That sounds that's Yep. That sounds like a voyage of discovery. That sounds like one of those guys going to Thailand. Life. And say, I want to go and find myself Namaste. Mm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Except they usually have a plan. They go, I'm going to go to Bali and sit on the beach and find myself. I don't even know where I'm going to find myself, but it's going to be on a stage somewhere. As a singer, wow, well, you have not heard my singing voice.
0: <laughs> you can do poetry, comedy, you can do movie theatre, you can do anything, whatever works.
1: Exactly. That's why it's on a stage is ambiguous, because it's where I find my joy doesn't matter what it is that I'm doing could be karaoke Woo.
0: <laughs> ah. <laughs> I, you know what I've, I've never really found the interest in karaoke it's just I th- why do people find that entertaining I, I, I just it just people singing songs that they already know and they sing terribly most of the time I can just watch a reality tv show for that or a talent contest
1: no, I, I get it. It's fun. It's fun to sing a song, you know, in with people. And it's like singing along to a song that comes on in the car, except you're drunk. So you're more excited that there's other people there.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll sing a song to you. So v- yeah. right, let's do it. I'll sing a song. All right. Here we go. Music, lyrics, um, pack. Here we go.
1: Rapping isn't singing. It's just talking really quickly.
0: Well, okay, fine. Justin Timberlake. <laughs> we'll do Justified. I oh, no, not know what's it called. Crimea over. Let's do that. Okay, here it goes. You are the sun. You are my earth, but you didn't know all the ways. So you took a chance and you made other plans. But I don't think they'll come crashing down. You have to say what you no, did. I already know.
1: So this isn't fun. Get a you bit of to... a rhythm going. Come on.
0: All right, then. Let's do it. Do it. <laughs> I
1: don't know the song. I wish I knew the song. I would play it, but I don't.
0: Go on. Get, you do the clipping fingers, and I'll do some singing.
1: I don't know the you rhythm of the song. You my
0: son. But... You are my earth. But you didn't know all the ways I loved you. No. <laughs> So you took a chance, and made other plans, but bet you didn't know they'll come crashing down. No, you have well. to say what you did. <laughs> I already know. I found out from okay. him.
1: I really, it's fine, you have run Justin they enough, thank you. <laughs> well, Marvin, this has been really fun. I have to get going and my battery's going to die.
0: I've got two questions to ask you what advice would you give to your younger self and what is a quote that you'd like to live your life by? Uh,
1: the quote is easy, uh, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate, our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Why is that? It's that we, we think that we're scared of what we can't do but actually what scares us is what we can
0: okay and we're
1: what, to change the dreams and to my younger self i would say chase your dreams and don't let anyone stop you from doing that and maybe don't date your ex-boyfriend like if you could just not do that one that would be nice
0: okay um, and <laughs> what, what if it's your mom and dad that tells you not to do it
1: <laughs> oh that then you end up going to university for four years with a degree that you don't really want to use um and They tell you you're a waste of money, so (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: chase your dreams
1: anyway because they're going to not be on board until they're on
0: board. That sounds like very namaste, namaste, namaste. No, but
1: that's exactly what happened is I started doing comedy and they were like, what are you doing? You're a scientist and this doesn't make any sense. And then they came to see me do a show and then they were like, okay, it makes sense now. You're actually kind of good at this. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's...
1: So don't know, can... as a joke? no i haven't because
0: be could be material, i'm still though. i
1: guess dealing with acceptance <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay but, well it's been it's been it's good been good to catch up um yeah, there's, it's been, exactly there's been there's like been so it. it's been a bit like a roller coaster we've had some fun moments in this chat and we've had some quiet moments yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it'll be good to i'll catch you when things are back to normal and yeah
1: hopefully i will get into the uk we'll see if boris is better than trump
0: oh he is he's much better he's got that you know he's, he's got that good voice he, he sounds nice you know you know it's good
1: <laughs> okay well thanks so much have a great day